Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Club. First rule of Book Club is you must always talk about Book Club. Second rule of Book Club is tell everyone about Book Club. Hello and welcome to IRC Book Club. I think I'll do our traditional opening, the show where every week Michael and I reconstruct, deconstruct and put together a great book, business book, sales book, textbook, whatever it may be, book, 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 book. Um, and we are on show 109. Tell you something that I want to cover with you today at the start, Mike. Get a lot of people asking us, how are you guys? How's the market? Just give, us a, just give our audience a quick update. What's going on in the market? Uh, personally, I think certain parts of the market are excellent. Yeah. I think certain parts are struggling, you know, but that's always been the case that some parts of the market grow better than others. The thread of commonality, however, across all the markets is if you have got a poor track record, you're going to struggle now. Yeah, that's so many candidates and that stupid green circle is get rid of it. That, that's that's a, affecting the market force, isn't it? Yeah, completely. I completely yeah. agree. There's just so many candidates and, the, uh, and it creates a misperception with the clients. Well, there's loads of candidates out there, Mike. And the answer is yes, there is loads of candidates out there, but the number of good ones hasn't changed. No. And actually what we're seeing is a market's more buoyant than people think it is. Uh, I think the economy's more buoyant than people think it is. No, I don't agree with that. Uh, I'm, no, I'm no economist, but... I think there's certain pockets of the uh, economy are terrible. My brother-in-law manages my brother-in-law manages 120 pubs. I think if you went to his house today and said, "How's the how's the economy?" I think he'd have quite a different view of it, really, than what we have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not easy to be in the pub game right now, I guess. So there's lots of gyms, pubs, you know, the gyms are open, but I've cancelled my gym membership because I don't go to town anymore. I've cancelled mine and the yoga studio. Well, there you go. Who's going to do hot yoga? Oh, well, that can't be a breeding ground for COVID. She claims, she claims yesterday on Facebook she's still open, even though you can't have gatherings of more than six. You can at sporting events, though, can't you? I think she's out of order, continuing to open, personally. I, I do jiu-jitsu. The jiu-jitsu studio, whatever it is, gym, whatever, is open. Um, you have to wrestle with these wrestling mannequins, <laughs> which we've had good fun with. Do you not wrestle imagine. with each other? No, that's, that's wrestle, not on. Can't wrestle with each other. And what is surprising is a lot of the Thai boxing gyms in Leeds are still open. And I was going to go to one today and I just thought, that just can't be COVID safe, that. 40 guys in a gym punching each other. They're not going to be worried about the ventilation, are they? Well, no. They try and make it like Thailand. So it's actually hot and sweaty in there. Like a yoga studio, I'd have thought. I've never been in one, but I would have thought so. Lovely. So let's talk about this book. We're on episode 109. Yes. And we were, we were enjoying this last week, weren't we? I've read it all. I think it's absolutely excellent. I right. You know, back, back to the, you asked me for a summary of it. You know, what, what's it about this book? This book is about understanding how people operate and therefore how you can speak to them and communicate with them in a manner that suits them. Okay. I'll tell you my objection to this book. It's a silly one, really, which is it's a really good book. I'm finding it incredibly useful, but I'm finding it very hard to make podcast content out of it. 
even though actually it's probably one of the best books we've done on the show. Yeah, I can I can get with that. I I think the other slight downside of it is it'd be very hard to integrate all of it into the way that you did your job instantaneously and quickly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a bit like golf, isn't it? You know, I'm a 42 year old guy with a golf swing. I can't go and change my golf swing. <laughs> What's the point? I can do minor changes. But you can't I, change it wholesale. Well, I, I can bed them in over time, but it takes time. But should you read this book? Should you buy it? Yeah, 100%. I bought it twice. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you I did. I bought it twice. So what so section good. are we on? So we're on, part. Uh, the, we're on the next part, which is part three, which is working traits. So what this is about are the traits that people use at work, how people deal with information, uh, the type of tasks and environments that they need to be productive in any given context and the way in which people become convinced about something. Now that's, you know, I've said that You've very said what quickly. I was going to say, you know, page 93, the, the opening statement, the bit I underlined is how people become convinced, how they get convinced about something. Yeah. Um, and it's very, you know, it only took four seconds to uh, say that little phrase, but that's killer stuff. If you're in sales, this is stuff you've got to read or at least want to explore. And you and I have talked a lot about this on this show, about how little attention is paid to that as part of the craft and understanding that as part of the craft. It's all strategic sell this, understand the strategy and the deal of that. But really, I reckon the best guys, they get this bit and then they yes. just apply basic strategy thereafter. Well, I mean, they know the, how to get people to say yes to stuff. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Miller Hyman, as you know, but actually, if you just threw the Miller Hyman, you know, sponsor, coach, blah de blah thing out the window and, and thought, right, everybody that I meet, I'm going to convince that, you know, we've got the right solution. I reckon that'd be a fair enough strategy, actually. Yeah, work out who's involved in making a decision and make sure you've convinced everyone. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's, uh, that, that beats Miller Hyman, Taz Holden, Powerbase Selling, the Challenger yeah, Sale, all beats of all of it, beats all of it. Who's involved in the deal? Right. I'm going to make sure every single one of them in a meeting with me personally agrees to say yes to what I'm proposing. Correct. I reckon you won't go far wrong. Yeah, I think you'll do very well. I think you do very and, well. And a you lot of the good guys we know don't, want. yeah, a lot of the good guys we know don't theorise much. They just go out and convince people to say yes when they've got enough yeses. Somebody signs something somewhere. Yeah, but the very, very good guys theorise and get everybody to say yes. Of course they do. They're the full package. Exactly, yeah. They're the exactly. full package. So she, she breaks this down into working scope, working attention direction. I mean, it sounds very dry, this. Working it stress response, working style, working organisation, working rule structure, convince a channel, convince a mode. So let's have a look at working scope and what that means. So what that she's alluding to here is the way in which people handle information and whether people are what they call what she calls big picture or small detail people. Now, I do yes. think this is quite an interesting thing. Um so what she says is there's two types of people. One are specifics and one is general. And we all know people who are very detail-oriented. Yesterday, I've interviewed a guy in the afternoon. He gave me a detailed history of his life story. Yes. He volunteered it before I even asked for it. What's interesting is, he, I don't, I don't know who he is, but let's assume he's a good guy. You could send your specific guy to have an interview with a general guy yeah. Where it all looked right on paper and they, you know, work for competitors and blah de blah. But the general interviewer 
wouldn't necessarily get with the specific interviewee. No. And I think that as a recruiter, that's a really interesting thought, you know. Well, as a seller. What, what, as a seller what, in general, what's my, yeah. What's my prospect? Is my prospect somebody who is a general or somebody who is a specific? But she right. does make a very a very uh, fair point, which, you know, she, she always puts this band in. So she said, 15% of people are specific, 60% of people are general, 25% of people are equally specific and general. Now, actually, I, I felt I've, I I sat in the middle category with what, a bit of... General? No, equally specific in general. Sometimes I get right into the detail, sometimes I don't. I, I don't personally seek detail, but if the general bit doesn't add up, then I think, right, let's get specific. I would say I'm very context-specific. In certain situations, I'm incredibly detailed, and in others, I'm incredibly superficial. Yes, well, you know how I do it, Johnny. We always laugh, don't we, when we go through planning sessions because I just add it up in my head. And you go, <laughs> all right, Mike, yeah. Let me get my spreadsheet out. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and, uh, and you're and, normally within about two grand of where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's absolutely. That's how people do it. Um, and now, then what's what interesting... Go on. Well, she talks about influencing language. Yes. So she says, generally speaking, it's important to match a person's pattern in exactly the way they want to talk to you when in conversation. Now, this is very relevant because I've currently got a general candidate trying to negotiate an offer with a specific client. Yeah. And you and you sit on the outside and think, right, I know what's going on here. I know why the two of you are just sort of, you've got to this point where you like each other and now you're just getting a bit pedantic with each other. Yeah. And it's falling apart a bit now because actually they're well, not communicating that well. Well, it's the specific client asking the general candidate for specific information and the general candidate's going, what are we on about? Yeah, my P60, it was about that. And, and that, about that, he's really t- starting to irritate the client a little bit, really. When actually the candidate is perfectly capable of doing the job. I've got a similar situation where I've got a client at the moment, um, they're a big global software vendor. They, they put a lot of store by a certain specific test that they use. Ah, yes. And there's two types of tests. One is cognitive ability testing. And then the other is a personality profile that the CEO of this company has been using for 30 years. And the CEO of this company is now a billionaire. So he's a little bit like, look, I'm a billionaire. Um, so you can all get He's lost. a specific billionaire by the sound of it. Very specific. This particular CEO still writes code occasionally. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and the profile is what the profile is based on previous success. And what they want is people with a very strong hunter profile, but must have extremely specific attention to detail. And my God, that's hard to find. Of course it is, yeah. But having read this, uh, you know what you're trying to find. Yes. And what's interesting is if you look at culturally, I look at the leadership team of that business. I find them not very engaging because they're incredibly specific well they're not engaging to you correct what would argue if you were a specific person you'd find them engaging just before the lockdown i spent an afternoon there meeting a number of members of the leadership team getting to understand it and i left thinking god this must be a bit of a boring place to work but now with hindsight actually what i've realized is there is a type that works there that all pass that test and they're all very driven but very specific, detail-orientated people. 
Exactly. And that, the funny thing is you can you'll now be able to look at somebody's CV and just and if it's right. got targets dating back for the last 10 years, you go, right. Yep. High D I'll know on a CV, I'll see high detail on the CV and I'll think, right, great. Yeah, exactly. So that was a, an, an interesting section. And then the next one is working attention direction. And that what she's saying here is, does the person naturally pay attention to the nonverbal behavior of others or to their own internal experience? Go on then, Johnny. What did you put yourself as? I, I, I thought you were another, actually. I'm a bit of both. I'm 100% self. We both know that. Yes, you can be oblivious to shit. Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting is... <laughs> well, look at that colleague we had that cried a lot. I can't remember which one it was. The, the one that... Uh, we had a colleague recently cried a lot. Oh, yeah, she yeah. She was yeah. always crying. Yes. She was just sort of always blarting about something. Just really emotional. It was all a bit I, weird. I, really. I, just anything. You know, coffee was cold. Yes. Yeah, it wasn't us. We're quite nice blokes. Um, but she, she was always crying. You just sort of didn't give a monkeys. I found it unbelievably disconcerting. I did. I said, are you all right? She went, oh, I cry a lot. And I said, that's fine. If you get crying about something that's really important, let me know. But other than that, I'll just leave you to it. Yeah, and so it bothered me that she would cry at things. You know, she'd cry at a picture of a dog on, on a screen. She'd cry when she'd heard of an injustice, when she's read BBC News. She was just crying. You just didn't care. Me, that just messed with me. Working with somebody who was so, always crying. So here's the point then about getting back to self and other. It would be fair to say that people who are others, and they have an automatic reflex reaction to people's behaviors Good would make better salespeople than self i think so yes but but there are some significant buts and i made a note here mike it said got me thinking a lot about our discussion yesterday about we, we, yesterday mike and i did a, a bit of a business planning session we were talking about different territories we were attacking one of the things we talked about was the fact that we often do better in territories where the salespeople sell to the business yes and they sell to the business rather than necessarily IT. And I wonder if that's because the people they sell to, in a sense, determine the type of people that they are, which are not naturally like you and I. Yeah, possibly. You and I are quite other people. We're a bit more otherly. I, I don't think I'm otherly at all. You are more so than you think. Possibly. You're, you're very good at building rapport with people now. You're a bit more, you know, when I first met you... Uh, rapport's you about... Absolutely. Obviously, Rapport's a different thing, though, right? Because I think rapport is a separate subject. Skill. Well, a, it's a learned skill, but I think a lot of rapport comes from congruence. So internal congruence, I find I get on with people and have good rapport with people who are consciously or unconsciously incongruent about what they are. Comfy in their own skin. I don't like the ones that go, I go, are you in sales? And they go, oh, I'm a consultant. I think, yeah, whatever. Whereas I like the ones who go, yeah, I'm a salesman, Mike. I think, oh, great. You like people who are comfier in their own skin, don't you? Well, I'm placing a candidate at the minute. You know his name. You know, what, what is he? Ah, oh, he's very comfy in his own skin. If you met him in the pub and said, what's your job? He'd go, yeah, I'm a salesman. That's the first thing you'd say. I'm a seller. Any top guy, sell stuff, you know. Salesman, well, but, commission only. Exactly. But coming back to this self versus other thing, which makes the best salesperson, I do agree that other is very important in terms of being aware of your audience and the people that you're talking to. However, I do think that self lends itself 
without using the word self too much, but self lends itself to canvassing. Because I think canvassing, particularly in the current market where we're all sat at home, it's essential. You are not getting any feedback. And you have to be cognizant of the fact that there's got to be a little bit of self in you to pick up the phone, some fellow you've never spoke to and go, yeah, all right, how's it going? Or whatever your introduction is. It's very binary, the feedback when you're canvassing. You reckon? Yeah, it's binary, isn't it? You're either winning or you're not. You either get, you know, you've, you're either picking up quality callbacks, getting opportunities, or you're getting nothing. Yeah, yeah, probably. So true. you've got to be a little bit more self-orientated. And I also think that there are lots of certain specific sales jobs where people need to be a little bit more self-orientated. Yeah, I mean, currently, you know, in this COVID crisis on whatever date it is, 10th September, going into another lockdown, blah de blah self, you know, the ability to be self and not get feedback is going to be important. You know, a lot of these software companies that are new and modern with playbooks and young people where they've got a culture, blah de blah that suits others, doesn't it? That suits the bell-ringing environment. Whereas actually, there's not much bell-ringing going on at the minute. You're sat at your desk. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very, a very fair point. Um, and then they talk about different ways of uh, questioning. No real question for it. Um, it's more about listening and spotting it. And then mm. working on, if you're working with a self person, you focus on content. Whereas if you're working with another person, you, you focus on rapport. Yes. I was just reading another bit out of the book, but I did hear what you said about rapport. So then the next bit she talks about in this uh, section on working traits is i'll just work close that up and that up is what they call working stress response and what she's alluding to here is how people respond to stress in work so you've got what she calls feeling choice and thinking which do you reckon you are um i'll tell you what you are because i've obviously written this down in every section I, I I think, I wish she'd drawn a response timeline. So before you and I got on this show, your Mac I'm broke choice. or whatever happened, you're feeling initially, then you rationalise it in your mind, then you become choice. Yeah, probably somewhere between the two. Your initial, well, I think you change, you see. I think your initial reaction is straight feeling. Then I think you go, oh, God, it was just a USB cable, right, choice. Yes. Then I have and a grown-up rational conversation with myself. And, and then you oh, become very, very, very choice. Yeah. I think is what happens with... with but that's with, born with, of adult self-awareness. Yeah, and, it, and well, it's, it's, it's almost certainly going to be born just through experience, isn't it? Yes, whereas you are predominantly choice-stroke thinking. Mainly choice, I would have said. So it says... People with a thinking pattern do not have emotional responses to the normal stressful situations for a given context. Yeah. Choice people first have an emotional response to the normal stresses at work and then either return to an unemotional state um, or not as they desire in a given situation. Now, I read another book that I know you're not fond of called The Chimp Paradox. I never said I wasn't fond of The Chimp Paradox. I thought it was all right. You did. You went on about it. Been a load of rubbish. You I said the said author that. was the worst person, worst book you'd ever read. You I said he was said a that. fraud. I listened to it. I listened to it <laughs> on Blinkist. I did a quick, quick flip through The Chimp Paradox. I thought it was all right. Because what The Chimp Paradox man would say, he would say, you initially respond with your chimp. Yes, your id. And, and then your human goes, hang on a minute, chimp, what are you doing? 
It's a bit yeah. like getting angry with somebody in the traffic that cuts you up, isn't it? Your initial reaction, like, yeah, 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 yeah. we're pressing your horn and body. Not me, by the way, I couldn't care less. Cut me up. And then it says, your human goes, what am I doing? I sat in the traffic listening to the radio. Yeah, Jill. It's not the end of the world, just an idiot in his car. Or her car. Um, then he goes, he, he, interestingly, or, or she, sorry, this author, on page 112, you know, talks about standard stuff, which is all good. Hiring, always good to be in there. I really like this bit on page 112. On right working bottom, stress response. Go, yes, yes. Or, or, this is about managing stress and people. And it goes, and she goes, how do you manage people to get stressed out? And she goes, if you were a fly on the wall, when this happened, what would you notice? And I often think to myself, if I didn't know me and I sat and watched me doing my job, what would I think? I think that very often. You know, yes. when you're just having that moment, trawling through LinkedIn, going, God, this is boring. Yes, you um, mean when you, when you start to sit lower and lower and lower in correct. your chair? Do you do that? You think, what am I doing? I get, but before I know it, I'm horizontal in my chair. Human nature. <laughs> human nature. And then if you saw yourself, you'd go, Jonathan, what are you doing? Yeah, if I could watch me, I'd say, wake up, get up, stand up, move. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was a really interesting part of this, actually. Then she talks about influencing language, which is always the case, feeling, choice, thinking. Brilliant. Really good. Yeah, it's a good, it's, it's useful stuff. And that she gives you some questions that you could use to elicit where people are at. Tell me about a work situation that gave you trouble. Simple well, the, question. That. Her lab profile is full of that, isn't it? So you could, a, a good salesperson could just slip that into conversation and get yes. an understanding of it and then use it to influence. Well, you could do anything, couldn't you? You could say, I could say to you, so, Johnny, what did you do at the weekend? Oh, do you know what you did? You said, I played golf. I said, how did you get on? You went, ah, oh, do you know what? I blew it on the, what hole was Finish it? Finished on the 23rd. So you blew it on the 23rd. I'd go, what was that like? That's all I'd have to ask. What was that I, like? We can't talk. I can't even talk about but it. But do you know what I mean, though? If we'd never met, you're a prospect. Perfectly legitimate thing to say is, you have a nice weekend? You go, yeah. I go, what did you do? You went, I played golf. I go, how would you get on? You went, ah, oh, do you know what? Why? And he went, ah, oh, blew it on the 23rd. And I went, what was that like? You go, oh, so angry. I go, right, feeling, bang, and I'd sell to you. Yeah. So easy. So easy that. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't angry at the time. Were you not? I actually remarkably managed to recover psychologically and then and finish well. I don't know how, to this day, I don't know how I did it. I don't know where I found the mental fortitude. You see, it's interesting how we change as people. Because when I was younger, played a lot of golf. I would, and I don't think I ever actually really enjoyed a game of golf. Whereas now, when I play, like you know, well, when you and I played a few weeks ago with those clients, that's the first time I played for ages. And you saw, and you saw how badly I played for the first five. But holes. you enjoyed it tremendously. Oh, bloody awful, hitting the ball everywhere. You were spraying it everywhere. Absolutely, six hole apart it. But that's just because with the passage of time, you just relax, don't you, into yourself a little. Yeah. And then we've got working style. Now, this, I think, is really interesting, particularly given where we're at as a society yes. right now with our pandemic issues. So you've got three, three different working styles, independent, proximity, and cooperative. Yes. So you've got people who are effectively independent, people who are quite happy just getting on with it on their own, closed door, closed office. Yeah, yeah. Quite happy not to talk to anybody all day. Um, that's de definitely me. You're good with that. I reckon you could quite happily just stand, stand in that office and never talk to a colleague ever again. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. and just get on with it. Do and you... it's not like I don't like the social interaction, I do. But, but you, you'd be quite happy you if don't you don't care. Um, no. Me, I am not a 100% independent. I'm not pr- cooperative. And I sort of, I think I flip between independent and proximity, which are people who like and need others around them. What's very interesting is, so, so we're in the process of hiring somebody for us. And when I was talking to her, I thought, well, actually, COVID, the job that we do, you know, her job's going to be quite uh, important. She's got to work with you, work with me, work with the other guy, blah, 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 work with the outsourcers and stuff. And I was specifically trying to elicit whether she was cooperative because I thought that's a cooperative job. Yes, it is. It's a and I, she has to be more of a team player than me. How she did. Much more. Much Because you and I don't need to talk game. to each other about our clients. I mean, we do, obviously, but we don't really need to. You know, you don't need my help with yours. And especially in the first few months, she's going to be putting candidates into lists or into, into short lists where she's going to need to talk to me and you all the time. What about this one? What about that one? Do you like this one, Johnny? Do you not like that one? And I, and I specifically dug around when I was talking to her, just very subtly about cooperative style. I was talking to my mate the other day um, and his son, I played golf with the two of them. And uh, his son's on, um, works for one of the, he's on a grad, basically he's on a degree program with one of the big four consulting firms. And his degree is a combined degree. So he basically works half the time. It's like an apprenticeship, really. Um, Sounds like a good idea. Yeah, it's effectively like a degree apprenticeship, uh, an accountancy degree apprenticeship. And he works and he goes to uni and then he works and he goes to uni and he's sort of like a month on, month off and the course is combined with his uni. Great idea. Mm. Um, so he's not completely on the lash for four years before turning up at work. But he's working from home. Hard for a young guy, young kid. And he's, well, he's, old he's 18, 19, 19. And he's not in it. He's not, it's a, this year it's predominantly work with a little bit of uni. It's worked and, out well uh, for him, hasn't it? But he, he, he's at home. His mum's working from home downstairs. His dad's working from home upstairs. And he and I, I got talking to him, and he, he said he hates it. And I think we, we've got a, we're going to have a whole bunch of people in society. By nature, young people need proximity. Yes, they're doing the formative years. You know, my kids are back to school this week. Yeah, and you know, Liz came home yesterday. And I thought, God, that's done you so much good, that. Just hanging around with just, other kids. Just hanging around with the pals, yeah. I've taught them, I don't know if you do this thing at school, how when you're walking behind somebody, you kick one foot on the other so they fall over. <laughs> Mrs. P's not happy with it. She went, I absolutely got bent really bad with it, it went flying. But just What about few... the sticker on the back, hit me hard? Oh, no, I tried that. I'll get honey to do that. Hit me I've hard. Told, I've told her the golden rule. If the police ever stop you, in the, if the uh, teachers ever stop you in the corridor, just give your mate's name. Sure, right, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so getting back to it, that's a good one. The next one is about facts and feelings. Working, working organisation. Mm, mm, mm. So what about this one then? So this so was... Says, ah, yeah, I see. Two times. Yeah. yeah. you got two times. Uh, person, individuals with a person pattern pay attention to the feelings and thoughts of either themselves or others. Uh, thing. Thing people concentrate on products, ideas, tools, tasks and systems. Now, what's interesting about this is I'm very much of a, a, a more a thing person than a person thing. And actually, I think you're more a thing person than a person thing. But we were, 
but we were both Samaritans. Well, and I'll tell you what, I was a good Samaritan. I've, I was I've good written at it. here, I've actually written here that Samaritan, the person volunteers, the ones that focus on feelings and thoughts of themselves and others, they only ever last 12 weeks. And what's the Samaritans about? It's about allowing the caller. What, what's the what's the first thing you say? How are you feeling? That's the Talk literally the feelings. But actually, what I find, and and I've I've talked to my wife about this a lot because when I do my I do some other volunteering on another crisis line now, and when I do it, it just doesn't bother me at all. It bother me. I, literally, I, 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 it's, very, it's very you know people call, calling you and talk to you about suicide. Horrible stuff happens. Yeah, I did a shift last Friday night, midnight till 3 a.m. I was on. Horrible shit takes place. And the supervisors are always, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just off to get a brew. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, just, I don't think it makes, but, it clearly doesn't make you a bad person. No, but, it's because but, my focus is on the process. Mm-hmm. It's on the process of, and I, my view is, well, if you follow the training, it's all right. Correct. And I just sort of don't get involved. And, it, and, I, and you could say, well, you've got no empathy. You're a bad person. You don't care. But I care deeply. I care deeply about doing the job for those people as best as I can. Well, that's a funny thing well, you just said, actually, there. Because actually, I would have held you down more as an options person than a procedures person. But when your working trait, when you're talking in about your working context, trait as an, as in the context of person versus thing, you're, you're a thing. So then you go to becoming a procedures person. Yes, that brings out that, correct. It brings out the procedural part of me because that protects me. Now, what's interesting about the influence... Stops me from sitting there crying at three o'clock on a Saturday morning. Exactly. Now, what's interesting about this section is it it goes influencing language. It says, person, use personal pronouns, people's names, blah, blah, blah. Thing, use impersonal pronouns. I've always wondered... Why some people, when the salespeople, obviously, why when they're talking to me, they're always insistent on using my first name a lot. And it's weird when they do it. You know, you get it about one in 20. They'll just use your first name It's because they've read some book about it. Use a person's first name and they'll like you to build rapport. It's a weird, it's off-putting, I personally find it. Now I know why. It's because I'm a thing and they're obviously a person. Yes. And you I'm are always... a real thing person. Exactly. And I've always sat there and thought... It, you know, it didn't bother me, obviously, but I always thought, this is weird. And Why she does you... make a point here, which is thing people aren't bad people. Oh, no. Well, she makes point all through the book, neither is a bad thing to be. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think that's a, a very key element. And, and, the, and then she comes up with some really good questions to elicit that. Tell me about a work experience that was, or tell me about a perfect day at work. Yes. Well, and, on pe- go on. And, and as a salesperson, you could still get that. You'll pick that up. And that's a fascinating thought. Is the person a thing person or a, or actually, well, she makes great point. Person salespeople often have a hard time closing. So, well, exactly. You're on the same page as me. So it's really interesting. And I will name names because it's all in a positive vein. Some of the thing people that, if you said to me, name your top salespeople that you've come across. And this list isn't an exhaustive list. It's two that, that stand out. I think two of the best salespeople I've ever come across. One is Rich Tinsdale. One is Tim Hood. Thing people. And they're both absolutely superb. But they're not overwhelmingly... They're quite dry. They're really nice guys. Lovely guys, but your communication with them is dry and detailed. They're both detailed people. They're both thing people. 
And then it got me thinking, well, actually, why does it grate on me when people use my first name a lot? And actually, I know why it is. It's A, because I'm a thing person, but B, because I've associated people using my first name a lot with people that don't sell much. Yeah, you've got a little anchor with it. I mean, I was talking to a candidate the other week and he he, he says, I go, why are you looking for a job? And he said, well, it, at the end of last, he sold into healthcare and he said it was the end of the quarter and he got put into under massive pressure to pressure a client for a contract. And he said the client had agreed the deal, but they hadn't actually put their signature on the contract because they were busy dealing with COVID stuff mm. in, a hospital, in a hospital trust. And he said that it, he just went on about how terrible that felt. He was obviously a person person. He didn't like the fact that he was having, he was, and I thought you're just overly empathic with the client. I thought you were just lying because you didn't sell anything. <laughs> no, I just thought, what use to you? I remember thinking on the phone, you're shit. What use to you, to, to anybody as a salesperson are you? You're overly empathizing with every customer. I'd hate it if you worked for me. Because it was quarter end and the client needed to sign his contract. Yes. And he exactly. was overly empath. I felt when he told me the story, I thought, you just overly empathizing with your customer. Because me to sign the contract. But actually, his point of view was customers try to save lives, save the NHS, yada, 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 yada. You know, he drunk, he, and rightly so, he drunk the whole COVID 19 Kool Aid and he thought it was morally wrong. But a thing person would say it's not. It's just a thing. Just a thing person would say, ring your client, tell him he needs to sign his contract. Exactly. Tell him that you know he's busy. Tell him that you're sorry that he's got loads of other stuff on the plate, but tell him that you're also under mass pressure. You've got to sign the contract because you said you would. Yeah. What's changed? Um, yeah. What's changed? Why have you not signed that contract? Mm-hmm. So it's a, I thought that was a really fascinating section, actually, and very useful. And then we get into... Why middle management got the squeeze when the crunch came? Working rule structure. Yeah, that that was a bit boring. boring. And then working rule structure, my, 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 full stop, no, my... Just give us a quick heads up on this. It is actually a useful one, but I thought probably the most complicated part of the book. Complicated and just... Just not really that relevant for us selling. It's talking about decision making structure, uh, decisions across big structures, and yeah. what and how people set rules for one another and why they should do it or not. And yeah. I looked at it and thought, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it didn't really. That part of it just didn't quite bite. But I mean, it's the only bad bit in the book that I found. Yeah, and then we're into convincer channels. So this is useful stuff. If you've never done any studied NLP. If this is the only framework you're using, some people see stuff to be convinced, 55% of them. Some people hear stuff to need to be convinced. Some people need to read stuff to be convinced, and some people need to do stuff to be convinced. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, simple enough. And if that, you know, we're not talking about it much, but if 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 you've never heard that before, that's gold. It is, but at no point does she tell you um, how to elicit whether someone's visual or kinesthetic, whatever. So it, you know, it has two pages, three pages in the book, and worth reading, really. No, but as a point in and of itself, it is golden. It and is, then, yeah, but there's so much more work to it, isn't there? Yeah, and then again, she talks about the convincer mode, number of examples, automatic, consistent period of time, 
again, I just... It's interesting. I wrote the names of some of my current clients next to each one. And there's one which you've got hiring manager Fred. He's not really called Fred. Hiring manager Fred, sales manager Bill. Hiring manager Fred, his period of time. Uh, sorry, period of time guy. I would have said consistent, actually. I mean, I might be wrong, but... Um, I'm never completely convinced. I do agree with that. Yeah, your, your consistent stroke period of time. I do reevaluate I, it every single time. I know if I went out today and found some mad tool that would make that I was like, wow, this is amazing technology. We've got to implement this in the business tomorrow. I know it would take time for you to go, Johnny, I'm really up for that. Mm, possibly. And I know, having known you long enough now, I would never just say, right, we've got to do it, Mike. We've got to do it. Now, actually, what's interesting about you is, I think if I did say that, you'd say, fucking hell, you're convinced, all right. I, d- I doubt I'd swear, because I don't very much. No, but more often than not, you're a period of time person. Possibly. Yeah, possibly. Whereas I'm a probably, I'm a number of examples guy. So a really good example is... You reckon? Li- I, I would yeah. have said you're, you're an automatic... You automatically make a decision and then back it up with number of examples. Yes. I think you'll look at something and go, wow, that's oh, great. This, this looks brilliant. Right, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then you go, yeah, I'll play about with it a bit. And they go, ah, I need some examples as to how it works. I think you would do. Yeah. So there's a piece of music kit I'm looking at and I'm thinking, I'd love one of them, but I reckon I've watched 50 different YouTube videos of people talking about it. Have you? Just get AirPods. <laughs> what, for music? Yeah, definitely, yeah. That's what I well, listen to. Yeah. Um, and if you look at it and you think, well, actually, why? Because, one, I'm not 100% convinced. Two, that's my pattern is I need to see lots of examples. And as a salesperson, that's a very powerful thing to know. So some yes, people need a number of examples. Yeah, 100%. Where, so I've got one at the moment where a candidate's agreed to go to an interview yesterday. She's texted me this morning saying, I don't fancy going. Right. Why? So if you looked at it in that context, why? What's what's if out of those four convincer, where what's missing in her convincer pattern? Well, she's obviously consistent, isn't she? Because she's never been completely convinced, and every new day she needs to reevaluate every time. So she's clearly looked at a diary and gone, "Yeah, I'm not convinced about that." Correct. You know, she, she said tomorrow is another day. Now, what you ought to do is look at the influencing language, because I know the client you're on about now, actually, and they are top, top, top company. Her problem is she's such a good candidate that, that she gets sold so much stuff that everything's a brilliant And she was job. banged so up she, for it, yes- so be, banged well, up for it be, yesterday, and now she's... she's once, yeah, she'll be just once bitten, twice shy, won't she? You know? So she needs reconvincing today. Yeah, in, in terms of, yeah, everybody says this about all the jobs, blah, 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 get there, they're all garbage. Already worked for a shitty company in that market. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, that's pretty much the end of the book, actually. Oh, no, it's the end of the the part. It's the end of the part. And then next week, we're going to go into more practical examples and usages of the book as our final episode of this series of the show. It was good. It is good, this bit. It's going to be hard to talk about it for a long time. Well, if it's not great, maybe we'll skip it and we'll make a decision and go straight into uh, how to decide by any duke. It is good, but there's 
just not, you know, we, I felt like I could have talked about this book for a lot more today, actually. Yes, but at some point, people have got to get on with their jobs. Yeah, maybe. Go and sell some stuff. Go sell some stuff, everybody. We'll see you next week for the final section on this. We'll make a decision as to whether there is content in it when, we've, when I've read it. And if there's not, we'll move straight on to the next book. Good stuff. Thanks, everyone. Bye.